Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. We are going into probably the most requested podcast guest. Ooh, Ooh. how honored. Who, me? Who, me? And this uh, this guest uh, needs very little introduction. Uh, if you have followed me at any point uh, in the last 10 years, um, you may know Bryn. Formerly known as Carly. Formerly known as Carly. <laughs> we can touch on that. Yep. And um, Carly is uh, my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. As of Tuesday. As of Tuesday. Uh, a sex, love, intimacy, relationship coach. Mm-hmm. Not as of Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... Um, this is going to be a fun episode. Mm. I think it's going to be a lot of things. It's going to be a lot of things. So, uh, I imagine this was one of the most requested by when I asked the question, who do they want me to interview? Um, all of the many fans. Uh, I imagine um, because we have shared a good bit of our story publicly to this point. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also some pieces that uh, maybe we haven't like fully expressed. Mm-hmm. And so today uh, we have no agenda for this podcast, but um, we're going to dive into our story, uh, into the separation, uh, into some of the things that came up for both of us, mm-hmm. uh, and then how we navigated I mean, navigated through this major life change. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, where should we begin on this? <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> is this is how all the episodes are going. Don't worry this about is it. Very reminiscent of our relationship too, um, where you're like, uh, well, you know, it's we've obviously been in it. We've we've been in it all, and um, I think we've we've shared publicly um some of the points along the way Mm -hmm. um but not necessarily like what led to those points yeah and like what was happening underneath the the surface and like behind closed doors and so um i mean let's go back to let's go back to like version version before this that's (laughs) what i was thinking of like let's give them a little taste of who we were when we met how we came together and what yeah the first let's do the origin story yeah <laughs> that sounds great all right you want to tell how we first met for the first time for sure so i was a senior in college and i had just gone through a nasty breakup uh the person that i thought was definitely going to be the one. And looking back at now, I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck? Are we uh, so silly? So silly. <laughs> oh, God. So I was so in love, and he had just broken my heart, and I was devastated. And I remember speaking with one of my good friends um, who said to me, hey, listen, I'm going through a breakup. My boyfriend just heard about this boot camp, and I know you're not really into working out and whatnot, but I think it'd be fun if we went together. And my, you know, recently dumped ass was like, you know, I could sit on the couch, 
I could eat some Ben and Jerry's. I could watch. I don't. I was going to say Netflix, but we certainly <laughs> did not fucking have not Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> I could watch Blockbuster. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and or I could try something new. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to try something new. So I go with my girlfriend Julie. We go to this boot camp, and I remember right away. So we were on a field. That was where your boot camp first took place. And we were on this field and we walk up and I'm terrified, honestly, like my version of working out was maybe 10 minutes on an elliptical Adderall and monster energy drinks. Like that was (laughs) my version of staying fit in college. And so leading up to that, I had no, no definition of fitness. And I walk up to this boot camp. I'm so nervous. And then I see you and I'm like, who's this hot motherfucker? <laughs> uh, I'm like, I don't know what this boot camp's about, but if this is the trainer, I think I'm going to sign up. So you proceed to kick my ass for 60 minutes. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't vomit because I was so out of shape. I'm surprised I didn't cry. I might have. I definitely complained a lot and we can touch on the rule that you implemented <laughs> recently after I started, but it was so exhausting so hard but also so exhilarating because here I was doing something new bettering myself challenging myself and then also just fucking attracted to you like <laughs> like okay well I know I just got dumped but I can see the next step <laughs> where I want to go um so that was the beginning of my my fitness journey and also the beginning of us um starting to date and then of course there's more to it than that but yeah I'd love to hear if you would remember that first session Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This was uh this was like one of the first boot camps that I'd run. Mm-hmm. It was just, just when I'd moved back to, to Gainesville and um I was getting this what became my life's work for the next ten years, but I didn't know that at the time. I was gonna say for those of you who don't know, Chris was in personal fitness and a trainer for over a decade. Over a decade, yeah. Which is so yeah, crazy to like think about. My entire identity. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I had no idea. I was promoting to fraternity brothers and sorority girls. Mm -hmm. And um, you were one of my first three clients. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it was like $60 a month, something like that. Probably not even. And I remember being like, oh, it's a stretch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And um, I remember just being, like, so excited to be out there. And then, like, I've got all these... um, like uh like weights that I'm carrying out in the kitty litter bins. Yes. <laughs> like that was how I was transporting them. Yep. Um and then I had uh these beautiful women that were showing up mm-hmm. and and uh one of which was was Carly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that proceeded to be one of the most fun chapters of my life mm, because yeah. we kept inviting more friends. We were all working out and getting fit. So mm-hmm. of course also like energetically and physically we were getting healthier and happier and just having a great time doing it. And then over the course of that month or two, one of my friends was just ridiculous. (laughs) Allie (laughs) love her. And she knew I had a crush on you Mm -hmm. and kept just like pushing me in your direction. Mm -hmm. Like she would just say, I knew you had a crush on me too. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm so cool. So so (laughs) So subtle. (laughs) Yeah. How did you know? Not at all. Oh. Uh, Mad game, apparently. Mad game. Uh. Mad game. Yeah, I knew. And and I had this, uh, God, I look back. I had this, like, really, like, 
put together story. Like I can't interact with my clients, can't be social with them. And like, there's this very like fine line. Um, and so like, I, I knew you had a crush on me, but I was, I was, I was, it was your first month in business. It was my, yeah, I was trying not to crash at all. (laughs) Front page of the newspaper. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I was, um, yeah, I was was playing it slow. Yeah. Yeah. But we used to, yeah, you're right. It was so fun because we, we used to, it was the workout and then it was like a social thing too. We'd have fun. We'd, we'd, we'd go out together. We'd like have dinners together, Mm -hmm. uh, as a group. And, um, yeah. And then, and then Allie really did some pushing. (laughs) (laughs) She would scream things. Like if we were all at a bar together, she'd be like, Hey, you want to get a drink for your boyfriend? Meanwhile, I don't (laughs) think we had like interacted at that point in any sort of romantic way. Mm -hmm. She was just, you know, we were young and in college Mm -hmm. and stupid. And, uh, I think eventually I was, I remember exactly where I was. I was at, um, a friend's birthday dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. This was maybe a couple of months after going to boot camp, and I was sitting at the table. We're hanging out with a bunch of the women. We're about to get, we're about to go out, and I get the text. Mm. It's and for those of you who don't know, it's my cr- former name <laughs> is Carly. That's my first name. I now go by Bryn, my middle name. Chris's name in college was Boris. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a text from Boris. That was his fraternity nickname, and something along the lines of, "I've got this event tonight." Um, and I'd love for you to come with me. And I shrieked at the table. So of course all the women want to know like, well, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? And then I proceeded, I remember to pass my phone around because I remember the way you asked me out, it was awkward. Like it was not direct. I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> it was to the point where I had to get confirmation from other women to make sure you were asking me out. Because I imagine, like you said, there was some tension knowing you're yeah. my trainer. and yeah. It's probably a very soft asking. A very, <laughs> very soft. soft. Mark England would yeah. call that soft talk. Soft talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I remember like getting validation. Like, he asked me out, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I think so. So I asked my girlfriend. I said, listen, I know that this is your birthday dinner and I love you, but I really like this guy. And how would you feel if I left after dinner and didn't go out with y'all and went on this date. And she's like, I fully support that. And we joked about it for years after. She's like, I'm so glad that I gave you that permission to go because look what it turned into. And we had such a fun date, you know, just very, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Very us. Like we just danced, we laughed, we got messy, we played in the woods. We just like, yeah, had a great time. It, and it was, it was, it was, we were just out in the woods and having a woods there and a bonfire mm-hmm. and there's a band there. You remember what song we danced to? Was it Wagon Wheel? It was Wagon Wheel. Oh. Yeah. Which, forecasting, was <laughs> our uh, first dance. <laughs> forecasting. Spoiler alert, we got married. <laughs> 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 there's some stuff in between. We got married. We danced to Wagon Wheel again. I hope that didn't ruin anything for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that was our first uh, official date. Mm. And we were pretty much together ever since then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe like you might have hooked up with a couple of chicks in between that, but I like to think we were together <laughs> <laughs> from that moment on. Yeah, there there was there, there wasn't any agreements from the start, but I really liked you. Yeah. And 
um, you remember how I used to invite you after boot camp, like super, super like secretive to like come over and have dinner. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I would like remember waiting by my phone to get the text, like as I was sitting in my car, half because I couldn't drive yet because I was so smoked <laughs> from the workout, but the other half knowing that he was going to ask me to like come over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And I think what was really sweet and endearing is we've gotten to know each other through truly like such pivotal, um, beginnings in our lives and when I met you we both had nothing nothing absolutely nothing and where I was going with that is you would invite me over for dinner and there was a specific thing you would make for me (laughs) we called it man meal and I loved it and I thought it was like the most delicious thing ever it was ground turkey yellow rice um salsa and maybe some black Black beans beans, and it was delicious yeah and then I come to find out like years later It's because the meal costs like three dollars to make. Not even, yeah, <laughs> super cheap. <laughs> and it was very filling, um, and you know, it didn't matter because mm-hmm. I loved you and we had so much fun together. And yeah, we just had very humble beginnings, but that was the start. And I watched you from that point on. You were working three jobs. Mm-hmm. You were a catering manager, a bouncer, mm-hmm. which came in great handy when you're 20 and can't get into bars. Which I didn't know when we first started <laughs> dating. Because <laughs> you'd use a fake ID. <laughs> well, to be fair, I used to bring you frozen yogurt. That's true. At the door. That was phenomenal. Yeah. I couldn't tell if you were going to say phenomenal or super embarrassing that you're like this bouncer and I'm bringing you froyo <laughs> with sprinkles. soft service <laughs> I was not the intimidating bouncer, needless to say. <laughs> is that bouncer eating fucking soft serve? Yeah, he is. His girlfriend's uh, dope. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I wasn't the one. I wasn't breaking up any fights. So it was just eating, eating fro-yo. <laughs> eating fro-yo. And letting everyone with fake ideas come in. <laughs> that was our beginning. And you were, you were literally... A trainer by afternoon, yeah. bouncer by night, catering manager by mm-hmm. day. And so I watched, I think this is part of the reason why, you know, I fell in love with you is we had so much fun together. Mm-hmm. Like that, I said it earlier, one of the most fun chapters of my life. We yeah. just played so hard. And that was a theme, I think, through mm-hmm. the rest of our relationship is we know how to have a lot of fucking fun. So much fun. And you also know how to work really hard. Um, and I watched you be passionate about something and I'd never seen that so um, so clearly in a man that I was dating that you were so committed to your goals, to your vision, that it didn't matter if you were only sleeping four to five hours a night and you just, you wanted it. And then I watched so clearly how every couple of months there was some new iteration and evolution of you and the business and it was just so fun to be a part of. Um, and I felt like you enrolled me in your vision and I was so excited and thrilled to help you. I remember helping you write your first newsletter. <laughs> Y'all. You should have seen my first chapter. I wish we could find, if you're a listener and you somehow have oh. access to your Gmail and Chris's first newsletter, 2010. it was a fucking mess. It had like 18 different fonts, different so colors. <laughs> and I literally said to him like, listen, I need to help you with this Mm -hmm. because this is not okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) people love you and they can't read this so um yeah i don't know what i was thinking (laughs) you weren't i wasn't but it didn't matter because people still came and it was fine yeah of course like the marketing and uh rigid person inside of me was like i need to fix this yeah so that was a bit of our beginnings Mm -hmm. um 
you started working for me yeah. at some point. Yeah. Which uh, was challenging. That first go around didn't work so well. No. And I think this also, I mean, we were both so young. I was 20 when we met. You were 24, 22, 23. 22, 23, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm being generous. <laughs> 23 probably. Um, yeah. And we, I mean, there were so many lessons that we've had throughout our relationship about our dynamic and you were my first for so many things in a relationship because you were my first super serious and committed relationship. And we learned very quickly what it was like to work together and how to, um, how to be led, how to surrender, how to uh, communicate, how to navigate conflict. None of those things I think we did very well in the beginning. And I had such a hard time. I remember taking direction from you it was such a challenge to my ego and i also think you had a lot of uh difficulties in communicating yeah. and love Ex- and compassion mm-hmm. and so you would let things build up until they were a problem and i took everything personally and so it just created this like cyclical shit show <laughs> to the point where i was like i don't think we can work together like this yeah. mm-hmm. um and many more lessons like that along the way mm-hmm. But yes, we we yeah. tried to work together and eventually came back to work together. But yeah. we both developed a bit more. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And um, yeah, at that time, like I had no idea how to speak what I wanted, like how I wanted this to go. It was just um, and, and then when it didn't go that way, I didn't know how to give feedback from a loving place like you said and i was just like afraid that it would like hurt people and they take it personally and then so i just didn't say anything and built Mm. up yeah but uh then fast forward um to you graduated became a teacher Mm -hmm. um we relationship deepened at this point we were officially dating (laughs) (laughs) well i will say the officially dating it was also like a big question mark because I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Chris now has a podcast called Fully Expressed, but I would like to say Chris was not fully expressed not for a very long time. Yeah. And neither was I. And here I was so in love with you. And I know you were in love with me, but I don't think you said it. I n- actually, I know you didn't say it for the first year we were together. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was Valentine's Day of the, our first year together and you I, I still am obsessed with Justin Bieber and you put together this like adorable Valentine's Day package for me and I remember you got me this like plastic bin yeah. from Costco it was massive and it was filled with all of my favorite shit which apparently was four hour energy at yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah I died Dr. Pepper <laughs> y'all it was so unhealthy it is like making my stomach turn uh, I know uh, it was Diet Dr. Pepper, four hour energy. I think he put a bunch of like Cosmos in there um, <laughs> and like all my favorite snacks. And then you bought me tickets to see the Justin Bieber movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember. Uh, yep. And we went to see this movie. And I remember coming back that night thinking, this man has to love me. Like he <laughs> has to. He just spent two hours in a Justin Bieber <laughs> movie and like built me a care package. And so I remember getting to the point where I was like, if I don't say this, I'm going to explode. Mm. And I think you signed the card love, but like still hadn't said, I love you. And I remember like sitting in your bed, I think that night Mm -hmm. and just like it coming vomiting out of my mouth. And 
you just being like, oh, yeah, I love you, too. Just like, mm-hmm. of course. But the fear and the anxiety mm-hmm. and the tension between just what that phrase held. And now, God, I think I say I love you to people within the first 30 <laughs> know, seconds of meeting them. I'm just like, I see your soul and yeah, I love you. Yeah. But to think like just how different we were at that time that to even say those words was so challenging for you. Yeah. And how I was so afraid to say it and to be rejected by you. Mm-hmm. And so that just, I mean, is a testament to how closed we were in that relationship right. and how hard it was for us to find intimacy, even from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so, so difficult for me to express what I was feeling. And, um, I mean, you know why, and, and my model for that wasn't, uh, there was no expression, mm-hmm. definitely no verbal expression. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it left you in the dark for honestly a lot like, the majority of our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was something that I really, um, I, I I started to face like right after we separated Mm. was like this idea that, um, when I, when I finally, um, I'm fast forwarding. Yeah, I could tell. Let's do some, let's, (laughs) let's go back. We'll, 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 we'll go back to that. We'll zoom in and out. We'll zoom in and out. Um, yeah. So we official relationship, Took our first trip together. Mm. Dominican Republic. Yep. You remember that? Of course. <laughs> it was like the a shit show in, a, in the best way possible. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I wrote about this in a, my letter to you in our separation mm-hmm. that one of the things that you taught me that I'm so grateful for is like this love of adventure. Mm-hmm. I was raised to be afraid. I was raised to be afraid of the world. I was raised to look at the world as a scary place and that people are out to hurt me. I was also raised that men are emotionally unavailable, which is why you were... I was emotionally unavailable. <laughs> you were my dream man yeah. because that is what I learned. Men are, uh, this is how you earn love. You have to work really hard mm-hmm. for it and they won't tell you that they love you and you have mm-hmm. to look a certain way and act a certain way. And that was my imprinting. And my imprinting was also like, we don't do things that are dangerous or adventurous because it's too scary. And so you were a shock to my nervous system to yeah. say the least because you were the opposite things that terrified me you looked and you're like wait what mm-hmm. why would you be afraid of that and so one of the things that i loved so much was you showed me adventure mm-hmm. and i remember the dominican it was my first trip out of the country and i had such a hard time with everything about the way that trip went but the the pieces and the learnings for me was each time we did something like that, I got to let go a little bit more, mm-hmm. learn that it was safe to trust, learn that there was so much adventure and magic to be discovered in the world, that people were safe and loving, um, and that, yeah, that I love to travel. Like, you ignit, igni- ignit that in me, ignited that in me, because yeah. um, that trip, that was my first experience, mm-hmm. um, and it was such a shit show and so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had nothing to our name. Nothing nothing yeah and um as i look back i I reflect that one of the things that i wanted the deepest in our relationship that i didn't acknowledge was trust Mm. and as i look back at all these experiences like noticing now how much you just completely trusted me (sighs) and not even realizing how big of a stretch that was for you um i remember that trip in particular because i i remember i was like 
yeah, just trust me. I got it. I got mm-hmm. all the plans. I was like taking you, I think it was a present to you. And like w- when we say we had nothing, like, we had no money. I nothing. think I bought that on like Groupon or something, yeah. but like place yes. in the Dominican and we flew into the main airport cause it was considerably cheaper. Yep. But we were staying on the other side of the island. Which is like a six-hour drive. And so, of course, you, I rented the cheapest car <laughs> in the Dominican Republic. Um, and we, like, what was, it was like 100 miles, I remember. Because I remember mapping and be like, yeah, that's that's doable to drive. But it was like through the mountains <laughs> on, like, <laughs> not real roads. And um, so, yeah, we we eventually made it i remember we had to stop i had to buy a map from a guy just speak it and i didn't speak spanish no and there were no like smartphones or we just yeah so oh my gosh i can remember sitting in the car at the gas station because we stopped multiple times mm-hmm. um because we were lost consistently because you would i remember you would pl- print it out yeah the map quest, map quest. directions yeah. because that but knowing we weren't going to have mm-hmm. cell service and they weren't accurate because no, they it was weren't. the fucking Dominican. Yeah. Like, it was like, turn left at the yellow sign hidden <laughs> underneath the bush. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Um, and I remember specifically, you went into the gas station and I was sitting in the car and I was mm-hmm. terrified. I terrified. Like, to even let people see me inside of the car, I was just so afraid. And I, I don't even know of what. Mm-hmm. But I remember being like, my whole body was just tense and it makes me so sad to think of that version of myself that like couldn't even just relax into a, a road trip. Right? Yeah. Um, so you get the map. We eventually make it to we this like, like timeshare, like at midnight or something. And fortunately we're able to get in and it's this like cute little, I don't know, resort. It was amazing. It was amazing. Do you remember what happened when we got into the room? <laughs> so y'all want to know why I was afraid of everything? Yeah, okay. yeah. We we walk into the room. The guy literally just br- brought our bags and set, set them down. It's midnight. Maybe later. And the phone rings. And we're like, who the fuck is I think calling? He us? answered it. Yes. And he's, it's for you. He, he goes. He looks at me. He's like, it's for you. This is probably Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby was the guy who uh, took us around at the resort and um, hands me the phone. It's my mother. And yeah. she is in a full panic, full panic, trying to make sure that I made it okay and that we were um, safe. And anyway, it's just such a funny testament of, of like, well, of course, yeah, of course, I was so afraid. Yeah. This was what I grew up with. Yeah. Is something bad will happen and you aren't going to make it. And oh my God, I was so worried <laughs> about you. So I yeah. love you, mom. Yeah. And we had such, such a great, great trip. Mm-hmm. Such a great trip. Uh, and that was the first real like vacation I took as an adult. I mean, I traveled around before I moved to Gainesville, but it was the first like I took a vacation for my business and like I remember just letting go and like it was one of the first times where I felt so free. Mm. Remember we would just drink Presidentes, yeah. is that the beer? Yeah, Presidentes the on head. the beach um, when we went to that local fish t- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we met friends there and we were hanging out with them on the on this beautiful beach and it was a sunset and this uh, family invited us into their restaurant mm-hmm. it was like right there on the beach and it was just us and they were like it was like sitting down at their family dinner table Literally. and it was amazing 
and <laughs> they, this is just perfect. I just wanted to bring it. Um, we all, like all of the friends and, and myself, they're like, yeah, we got these fresh fish. They just came in. Literally, the guy's walking up with a string of fish. And we're like, yeah, definitely. Like that. <laughs> and Carly. <laughs> I was so, this is, again, afraid. Yeah. afraid. Like, afraid I, of, like I was afraid local. of anything that wasn't something I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. So whether it was food or people or travel or you name it, if I didn't recognize it, I was not able to do it. And so I'm watching them like talk about this fresh fish fry that they're going to be partaking in. And I'm like, I don't trust it. So I ordered, wait for it, spaghetti and meatballs. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember they were just looking at you like, okay. So dumb. I think they like one of their kids had to like run down to the store to get like it was probably tomato sauce or spaghetti. Yeah, like <laughs> while y'all are enjoying this like beautiful fish fry. Oh yeah, that's amazing. So that so was amazing. funny. But I I loosened up my butthole unpuckered. You did over unpuckered. The years. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. And um, yeah, and then we we did life together mm-hmm. for a while. But that was definitely a theme in our relationship of me slowly opening up to trust and to safety and to exploration and to travel and you being my guide in that. Mm. Um, and me really like allowing myself to learn that it is safe. It is safe to trust. It is safe to be explorative. It's safe to travel. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, but it really was a slow unraveling over the course of 10 years. I had so much fear. And I didn't learn uh, how to create safety mm. for others at that time until after after our relationship and so like not really even having any awareness of the fact that you might be like worried about this or, or, or afraid to do this and so I think there was just like an, a naive naivete about how I was going forward which sometimes was really abrasive mm. like pushing Yes. And um, unintentionally, but it was like at that time, I just thought like everyone thought the way that I did. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, this is, I'm good with this. Mm-hmm. So everyone else must be. Mm-hmm. It was just like a very unconscious, um, yeah, it was just a fairly unconscious way that, um, and and the gifts in it were that it definitely pushed you to your edges for sure. Oh, but pushed past off the cliff. <laughs> but, I, but I was in such a state of fight or flight so often. Yeah. And that ended up resulting in chronic pain, chronic illness, because I was so tense all of the time. Um, And I also, in recognizing my pattern with you, so one of my patterns, right, was that I have to work hard to receive love. And so much of my relationship with you was doing things for your approval so that I could feel loved by you. And so even if I was fucking terrified, I wanted to do the thing because I wanted you to be proud of me. And there's gifts in that, right? Because it exposed me to so much. But the shadow was I was living a life for your approval. Mm. And that created a lot of suffering. It created a lot of me not knowing who I was. It created a lot of me just going with whatever you wanted to do because I so deeply wanted to be recognized and seen by you. And I look back at all of the things I said yes to and I just was boundaryless. I didn't know how to use my no with you. I didn't know how to access desire with you. And so everything that I did, especially because this is how essentially the relationship began, was you were full of vision and wonder and excitement and it was magical and I just attached to it. Mm -hmm. 
I needed it. I didn't know how to lead my own life and I didn't know how to access that myself. And so all of the things that we did, they were amazing Mm -hmm. and almost none of it ever felt like it was mine. And that's no one's fault other than my own. I just didn't take responsibility for that part of myself. And, and the way you were lit up by it, the way that you were inspired by it lit me up. Mm -hmm. And so like, I took it as support, like all the yeses was like, Oh, I'm on the right track. And like, she's with me. And, um, meanwhile, like I couldn't see past my own little bubble that I was living in and, um, didn't have any awareness Mm -hmm. that, um, that was happening that you didn't have your own life essentially. Well, because I also wasn't communicating it. This was all being stuffed yeah. down and suppressed. Again, like I'll go back to, I literally had a year and a half of the most intense chronic pelvic pain. It felt like I had essentially a UTI for a year and a half. Yeah, that was a rough time. Oh God, it was such a dark time in my life. And I look back and it's like, well, fucking duh. Yeah. I was suppressing. I mean, if you think about pushing your emotions down, where do they land, right? Like at your root and everything was just stuck there. I wasn't speaking my truth. I wasn't expressed. I wasn't vulnerable. I wasn't really sharing any of this with you. Partially because I don't think I knew. I don't think, I think I was so unaware of my emotions, body responses. So part of it was like, yeah, I wasn't expressing, but I don't even think I knew I had something to express until it sort of swung the other way and I started to become resentful. And I think when we fast forward on the timeline, the one of the biggest catalysts in our relationship was when we moved everything into an RV mm-hmm. and I started to see, it was almost with like a super clear lens. I started to see all of the patterns in our communication, all of the breakdowns, all of the blocks to intimacy because we were in a fucking time cap or yeah. what's the word I'm thinking of? We were in like a C- tight containers, like a yes. pressure cooker, pressure yeah. cooker. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything became extra clear yeah and and we both had just done tcs mm-hmm. and we were both training like camp for the training soul. camp for the soul thank you and we were both like diving deep in that like yeah. in, in ourselves and we didn't have space Mm-mm. physical time energy and so the what was coming up to be processed rather than us individually processing it it got bounced around in this pressure cooker Mm -hmm. and just built and built and built and add on top of that just the stresses of (laughs) yeah travel life in the rv like we didn't know where we were staying next and like the way that i was doing it was not the way that you would have done it and Mm -hmm. like not having a wi-fi and we were both trying to work during that time Mm and yeah there's a lot of uh stresses that it made like the most volatile condition it was the whole nine years previous to that built up and then just in a few months like just boom yeah and i think what's important to mention too is because you know we're kind of jumping around on the timeline but the relationship we we were in lust i think in the beginning yeah which turned into a deep love for one another a lot of play a lot of adventure but I would say so much of our relationship was unintentional. Mm-hmm. We were just yeah. following the steps of what we knew what to, yeah, what we knew society said you do. It's like, okay, you're together X amount of time, you move in together. Yeah. Okay, you're together for X amount of time, moving in together, you get engaged. Yeah. Then you get married. And then eventually you have children. And we just, we were checking all the boxes, but I don't think there was ever intention or, um, yeah, like talking about values, talking about, 
the things that we wanted to create together. It was just sort of like falling into the next chapter. Yeah. And that's what led us to, you talked about training camp for the soul. We both started to around the same time, I would say me, maybe a little bit earlier started to get this sense of, I want more. I want more out of life because we had accomplished a fuck ton. And I'm again, very grateful for your drive and passion because it allowed us to accomplish a lot at a very young age. But in that accomplishment, you know, we had two businesses. We had a, a home. You bought our first home when we were 27, 26. 26 yeah. yeah. So we had a home, a beautiful home, two dogs, two businesses. We were traveling the world together. Like we were doing a lot of really cool shit. Yeah. And still with that, there was this feeling of emptiness, this feeling of like, we're checking all these boxes. We, we got married. We did all these things. But why do I feel so restless? Yeah. And I think we were both starting to kind of look at like, well, there's got to be more to just, you know, on weekends we go out drinking with friends and during the week we work from 8 a.m. Yep. to 8 p.m. and then we watch a TV show and we have dinner and then we do it all fucking over again. Yeah. And yeah, just starting to feel like this isn't great. Mm. It's fine. Right. It's fine. Fine. But fuck fine. I don't think either one of us wanted fine. And I mentioned this to you when we were processing our relationship. I used to judge you so much because you always desired like the next level. And I think when I judged you in it, it was because I was afraid that was going to become true for me. Like I could always see you aspiring uh, and wanting yeah. more. But the reality was, is I judged you for it because I also wanted more. I just didn't know what the more was. And so when we we were starting to travel a bit more and we got introduced to a friend, a dear friend now, Mike Bledsoe, um, at a conference that we were at. And when I was in this discovery of what the more was, I saw this man who seemingly looked just very relaxed, very in his body, very just um, calm and different. Like he literally stood out among the crowd of all the people doing the same shit. And yeah. in that inquisitive state that I was in about like, what is more, what is more, where is there more to life? I asked him, I said like, what work have you done? And he said, training camp for the soul. He also said psilocybin. And (laughs) from that moment on, I became obsessed with this idea of doing this workshop and training camp for the soul ended up being the biggest catalyst in our entry point into our personal development. Um, Cause I know you mentioned that as like, that's where it all began. And then when we moved into the RV, it was maybe six months to a year after that. So we were really starting to understand and implement some of the lessons that we'd had. Um, and then the RV was just like the, the final push into yeah. the next stage of our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, uh, not only just our relationship, but my entire life up to that point was completely unconscious and unintentional. It was just, this is what I should do next, I guess. And there was no like checking in with my heart. Mm. There was no, like, that was something you could do. Yeah, I know that wasn't (laughs) like so out of touch with intuition. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I look back at that version of myself and I have so much compassion for the choices that he made because he was just doing his best, um, Mm. with what he knew to be true. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm also so grateful for, uh, the synchronicities that led us to uh, this work that we did and to our mentors and to face these. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, 
I know you also had similar feelings at some point and I did as well of uh, like, was this all worth it? Like doing this work, mm-hmm. like maybe this is doing more harm than yeah. good. We literally just kept dropping bombs on our life. I know. And, and there was times where I would question it, but you get to a, it's like you get to a point where you, you like can't go back. Yeah. It's like, oh, I already know too much. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I took the red pill. I took the red pill. Like there's no going back. No, yeah. And um, so That's it was, yeah. Well, and also recognizing there's no such thing as the wrong decision. Like everything yeah. is perfect. And there was so much growth that happened so rapidly mm-hmm. during that time. And the people around us were, I think, equally inspired and equally terrified Yeah, because it's not, I would say the natural or the common state to witness such rapid growth. Mm -hmm. And we were just like blasting Mm -hmm. through levels of development where we were shedding previous versions of ourselves so quickly. And I think it was also a a hard thing for people to latch onto because we were no longer the same person they identified with, which also started to create rifts in the relationship because we were also no longer the versions that we had either um, seen or known to be true in the relationship. And that's not to say that couples who go through this can't stay together. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, I guess, an important part to start talking about the separation is I didn't know how to evolve into the next version of myself within our container. Mm-hmm. And I remember Anat, who another one of our mentors, your business partner, business partner at Training Camp for the Soul, um, said to me, she always uses this analogy of the garden. And I know you've used this analogy too, of that in the relationship, there is my garden, which is all of the stuff I bring to a relationship. There's your garden. And then there's the collective. It's what we both bring. And I said to her, I need our garden to die. Like I need it to just fully die to see if it's even something I want to rebuild. Like I didn't know how to even start to like pull out the weeds of our collective garden because it felt so fucking tangled. And whether that was a story or not, it is what I felt to be true at that time. And for me, because one of the biggest patterns in our relationship was a deep codependency on you, the only way I know how to break it was to separate from you Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, energetically just create space and so of course it was fucking challenging when the thing that happened right before that was we had no space yeah we were in a 150 square foot rv with two dogs traveling through some of the hardest times in our relationship and eventually you were talking about getting access to your heart and to your intuition and it was screaming at me i mean it wasn't even a whisper anymore it was like you have to go. You have to know who you are outside of this relationship. Um, because there was this part of me that was just dying to know who I was. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know that part of me and I didn't know how to do it while we were together. Yeah. And and meanwhile, the reason why the codependency works is that meanwhile, I was deriving my entire value uh, from being the protector, the provider, the really the savior for you. And, um, and so I'm sitting here trying to fix you and fix the problems and throughout, even through the separation. And it wasn't until months later that I really started to see how much, um, 
I was bringing into that and how I was not acknowledging myself. And, and for a lot of the initial stages, like right around and right before and right after the separation, I thought it was about you. Mm. And I was just so unconscious to the fact that like, oh, I was, I needed this as much as you did, but I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. You just saw it very Mm -hmm. clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was just because like, I wanted desperately to hold on to you and the relationship because that's like all I had left Mm -hmm. of my identity Mm -hmm. at that point. And yeah, uh, so true. Everything had changed. And the strongest. It it was conditioned to be like the strongest role for me to play as a man. And um, it was the only thing I'd left. And so I think I just was really in a desperate state to like keep that part of my ego together Mm. or else like I would be nothing. And Mm. that's, I mean, fast forward, that's exactly what happened. And (laughs) I was going to say, and then you take psychedelics to intentionally get to that space now. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, all right, we go again. You went to one spot where you're like, I don't want my ego to die. Now you're like, well, Uh, what would happen if I let my ego die? yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which, I mean, which I would say leads us to, you know, Burning Man? Burning Man, yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so Is this podcast going to be six hours long? Possibly. Yeah. There's no boundaries here. Yeah. Um, so in the RV, we're traveling around where shit's coming up. We're dealing, we're like pressure cooker. And um, we're fighting a lot. We're fighting a lot. Like, I don't think I would have recognized that at the time, but I look back and I'm like, we were just at each other's throats yeah. all the time. And <laughs> and you were expressing it, and I was like, oh, putting it down because I didn't know how to express <laughs> frustration or anger with you, and um, I, I was afraid to, and so like I was just like internally exploding all the time. So, <laughs> and we're both so sensitive to energy. Yeah. I don't think either one of us recognized uh-huh. it now, but like our poor bodies, uh, yeah, and our poor hearts. Like we were mm. just fucking tense yeah so tense yeah i was having so much physical pain and, and yeah we had no room to stretch out no or, yeah it's just like oh our poor pups were feeling our it dogs were fighting they constantly were fighting it's like they, yeah oh well fucking duh fucking of course duh. all they feel is our like intense tension mm-hmm. and conflict i even remember one time i because uh, it was so much instability on the road mm-hmm. and that was so hard for me especially as someone that's so used to structure and safety traveling in general teaches you to be able to just go with the flow to be flexible and this was another level of that it was i never knew when i was going to have wi-fi i never knew when i was going to have air conditioning i never knew when i was going to have water like there were just so many pieces that were unknown and i was having a really hard time with that and i was having a hard time communicating that to you but i was trying and i remember one time i must have done it in a way where it was unkind and you were like it is not okay for you to talk to me that way and I was like, fuck your boundaries. Like, it's not okay for you to talk to me that way. And we just like had no idea how I to know. navigate conflict. Yeah. Just fucking flailing. <laughs> God. Yeah. And so we're, um, we're at that time, um, both, uh, you were actually working for training camp for the soul. Yeah. You were working with a knot and, um, I was just volunteering at the retreats. I was cooking food in the kitchen, mm. uh, but loving every second of it being in that container. And it was in the August retreat that, um, uh, Anat and Mike were like, you, you're got a gift here. You should mm. be facilitating this work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I said, yes. And not knowing what would come. 
And then also in that retreat, we were talking about Burning Man. Mm -hmm. And then we left that retreat. And I think a week later, two weeks later, we were on our way to Burning Man. Yeah, it was one of those things that the deeper we went into our journey, we kept saying yes to these expansive opening experiences. So we we said yes to training camp for the soul and that blasted us wide open. We said yes to psilocybin and that blasted us wide open. We said yes to just pretty much like anything that felt like the new Mm -hmm. level of expansion, we were a full yes to. And Burning Man was so many things. It was magic and it was mystery and it was expression and it was danger. It was so many things that I think we knew we wanted access to. It was drugs and we were both really starting to experiment and to play with psychedelics and, um, and also like expression of our, our physical selves. So like Mm -hmm. getting able to dress up and to dance, like this was all so new to us. So new. I think about now, like how uncomfortable dance used to make me. If music came on at the retreat and we had the opportunity to dance, I wanted to crawl out of my fucking skin. Uh-huh. I wanted to go to the bathroom. I wanted to. I would like go get snacks. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> like, I couldn't handle yeah. dancing. Mm. And now I'm like I know. <laughs> <laughs> the first person to the <laughs> dance floor and I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. But there were pieces to that evolution. And so we say yes to Burning Man. And I felt the bigness of that, even just on the drive there, Mm -hmm. like the bigness of what this experience was going to be for both of us. And I remember the drive in because it's it's a couple hours down this essentially one way road. Mm -hmm. You start to lose service. You um, start to get into like more of like this mountainy area. I don't know what you want to call it. Cliffs, whatever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Nature. Um, (laughs) And. I remember sitting in on the RV and just thinking like, this is going to be really big and mm-hmm. feeling the intensity of that. Um, and to say it was big would be an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. An understatement. So this was, I say moving into the RV was like phase one of the separation, mm-hmm. like the planting of the seed. Burning Man was phase two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Burning Man was so many things. Mm-hmm. And... Oh gosh, I have such compassion for us because we just, we were so surrendered to the experience. We wanted to do and try all of it. And I think we just had no fucking idea what was coming. Um, because, so are you good with me to share this? Yeah, like next for piece? sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So fast forward, we, this is like, before we even go into Burning Man, we meet up at the Whole Foods parking lot with our crew. Mm -hmm. And I say our crew, we'd only ever met these people via Slack. We just knew Mike. Right. Mike was our connecting thread. Um, But there were, I I don't think we really knew any of the people that he'd invited. So we pull into the Whole Foods parking lot and I remember hearing somebody go, Carly? And it was a a car with these two guys in it. And they just recognized my picture from Slack because we were all using Slack to communicate pre-Burning Man things. And, there were these two guys in the car and I remember thinking like, Oh, okay. I felt like attraction to one of them. Like there was something there that would just like piqued my curiosity, but not, it's not, not normal to like feel attraction when you're in a relationship. It's a thing. Um, but this is planting a seed of course that will be evolved later in the story. Um, Cause I ended up being essentially the only woman woman in an all male <laughs> camp that I just yeah. didn't realize. Yeah. But there was so much healing in that for me because up until this point in my life, I had been so repressed in my feminine. 
I was using you as my model of leadership and I was trying to mimic and do my life the way that you were doing it. And I was not expressed in my emotions. I was not expressed in my body. I was not expressed at all. And so being at Burning Man and being able to be a woman who was safe to be expressed was like um, being revered by these men. And like, uh, because I was the only feminine energy they had access to, like at our camp, I just felt constant attention and affirmation and love and sex. Like there was just all of this, like really juicy energy flowing towards me and it boosted my confidence tremendously, but it also gave me permission to just go deeper into it. So I'm like, Ooh, they like when I dress up. So I'm going to really turn it up tonight. Or like they really love when I dance or when I'm crying because it gives them access to, for them to cry and for them to feel safe. So I got to be like in this mothering role and I got to be in this like seductress role. And I got to step into all of these archetypes that I just hadn't had access to before. And every night of Burning Man, I would say like, Night one was like a three out of 10 and night two was like a five out of 10. And they just kept building in expression and joy and like excitement and evolution. Like every night gave us access to something new and more and more exciting. (laughs) I'm joking because I, I peaked on night one (laughs) (laughs) and everybody, Jared is like, you idiot. It's only Monday. Yeah. Well, we had like the best fucking night on Monday. But then I just peaked every day after (laughs) I just peaked multiple times. Well, because every night was like something so new and exciting for us. Mm -hmm. So like night one, we just went out dancing. And for us, that was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Because we had never done that before. And we played on the swing set and all these fun, the vortex. Oh God. (laughs) There's so many like so mini, many, stories so many mini stories that yeah. if we zoomed in on all of them, we would literally that never would be finish. A ten hour episode, yeah. Um, so the the seed that I planted was there was a guy that I found mm-hmm. attractive, attractive, and I think this is where like karma comes in and yeah. like mm-hmm. soul connections because on paper and even like physically, there was nothing about this connection that made sense of like why I would be attracted to this man, and. But yet I just kept finding myself like more excited and intrigued by him to the point where I was like, something is here. And I didn't know what it was or what I wanted to explore, but I just kept feeling connection to him. And, and I feel like it was mutual. He was excited and connected to me as well. Um, and so fast forward to the last night at Burning Man, we were getting ready to go out. It's the big night. Like it's our last hurrah. Everybody knows it's like, we go, we go big tonight. And leading up to that, Chris and I, we had been in the development space now for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Thought we knew way more than we fucking did. Welcome to your, yeah. Welcome to development. (laughs) You're going to think you're enlightened and you're fucking not. I know. So I listened to like three Paul Check podcasts and maybe one Aubrey Marcus podcast about open relationships. And I'm like, I think I know what I'm doing. And we were getting ready to go out that night. And I remember I climbed up, we were on top of the RV watching the sunset. And I said to you, like, how do you feel about us opening things up for the night? And I I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew that I wanted to have an opportunity to explore this connection with this man. And I also knew like, that I wanted things eventually to be able to open up our relationship uh, because I so desperately didn't know how to communicate to you that I wasn't getting my needs met. I wasn't meeting my own needs and I certainly wasn't getting them met in the relationship. So 
the only way my logical brain knew how to do that was to follow what um, I saw was popular in at the time, which was polyamory. So um, I said to you, like, let's just keep it like really playful and light. We can just make out with other people. And I watched, it makes me so sad even thinking about it. I watched you just be a full no. Like there was no part of you that wanted that. Yeah. And I pushed Yeah. and I pushed and I, yeah, I wasn't leaving until I got what I wanted, but that was also part of our pattern is you would always give me what I wanted and you didn't have boundaries with me. I didn't have boundaries with you. And eventually instead of you like putting your foot down and saying like, absolutely yeah. not. Um, you said, okay. And yeah. I, I knew you didn't want it. Yeah. And, and looking, looking back on that and what you desired for me, what you wanted from me, like at probably at a deeper levels for me to really like stand in the relationship, stand in hundred percent. And, and I look back at that and a, I, I didn't know what I, what I didn't know. And, um, I was also just so worn out. Mm. I was completely depleted at mm. that period of my life. And from like, I can recognize it now. It was coming off of just a lifetime of just pushing myself mm. to my edges. Um, a decade of entrepreneurship where I just overworked myself. And I was, I remember it. It was like just this, I don't have anything left. Mm. It's like, I, I don't have any, like I, I can't fight anymore. Mm. And, um, it makes me sad. Yeah. It makes me sad too. Um, and like, I, I honestly, it was, it was, a, it was like one of my first moments of like really surrendering and just being like, look, I, I don't, I don't even know what I don't know anymore. And, mm -hmm. um, my, my, my brain was done. My, my emotional body just had nothing left. And, um, yeah. And physically I just didn't have fight in me at that point. I think you brought up such a good point about, uh, feminine testing too, because, the feminine will continuously test her partner. Mm -hmm. It is a normal and natural part of um, the polarity, right? Mm -hmm. And I also didn't recognize that I so deeply wanted you to take a stand for us and to take a stand for yourself and to take a stand for the relationship. And part of me wonders, had you done that, would I have even known what to do with it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's all perfect. Right. And um, we moved forward. And... Uh, so we, we go into the night and that night turned into us like having a full night of play. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. It was a fun night. Fun night. It, we, you know, danced. We were up till sunrise. We, um, went roller skating in the middle of the desert. We like went. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. <laughs> there was a roller rink. Like yeah. we danced on the wing of it, like 747. Like there were so many fun, playful parts of that night. But if you were to look at that night closely it's actually a really sad night in the chapter of our relationship because it was like the beginning of the end I was able to have a connection and, and actually ended up um, kissing this person that I knew I wanted to kiss and it turned into this like thing that all night we were just kind of playing in the tension of wanting to kiss each other and ended up making out like almost towards the end of the night and I knew it was way more for me than it just a kiss um, because I was feeling a connection to him. And so you giving me access to kissing him 
allowed like that instant connection. And, mm-hmm. and also like I was new into this world of psychedelics. I was new into this world of, I hadn't been with anybody in 10 years. So I forgot what new relationship energy feels Mm -hmm. like this, like fucking explosive energy in your heart. It doesn't even matter who it is. You're just like, this is my person. You will have my babies and nobody can tell me otherwise. Um, so I was having such deep emotions and not sure what any of it meant. And so we ended up kissing. Um, I think you just had makeouts with other women, but I don't think it was like a big deal for you. I think you were kind of just going along with the motions. Um, and then fast forward to the next day. So everybody left our camp. Um, that was everybody's last night, except for us. We ended up staying one more night and it was the saddest night. Like we both were in such a weird space because I was internally processing what I intuitively felt was like the end of our relationship. Cause in my head, I'm like, I don't know what all of this feels, but I'm, starting to become so attracted to somebody else. I'm starting to feel like I don't even know who I am inside this relationship anymore. Everything felt so soupy. And of course I didn't feel safe to tell you any of this, but you're not an idiot. You know, this is happening. And of course, like the deeper I went inside of my process, the further you felt like off to me. So you were closing your heart. I was closing mine and at burning man, they have a temple, which is like, arguably one of the most beautiful and gut-wrenching experiences I've ever been a part of because every year the temple's different. They build it based off of the theme of the camp um, or of Burning Man that year. And this year, it was like a cathedral-type shape. It was beautiful. But inside the temple, the temple is a space to go in and to process grief and yeah, sadness. Pray, let go. Let go. Letters, pictures. Oh, I have goosebumps even yeah. thinking about it. So ironically, it was the first place we went day one, and it was the last place we went before our, the end of our, our trip. And I went to the temple and I wrote a letter. And I remember, oh, I was grieving the part of me that I knew was really coming to a close. Us, the good girl, the girl who didn't know what she wanted, like, all of these parts of me that I could just see were so ready to be done. And I wanted adventure. I wanted, I wanted exploration. I wanted danger. I wanted all of these things that I was like starting to tap into. I wanted expression. I wanted femininity. I wanted full emotions from me, from you. Like I just wanted all of it. And I, I wrote a letter to myself and I remember sobbing, just sobbing, knowing like, shit's about to change and I put the letter in the temple and I remember I think we just like kind of rode our bikes around the playa but neither one of us were in the mood to really do much that yeah. night I think I like we fell asleep on sad. your chest we the man burn and then, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I think we both knew that there was some stuff going down yeah yeah so that was burning man um behind the scenes yeah yeah mm-hmm. And then the next day we leave, we decide to pack up and go early and we travel back to Reno. And I think a part of you really thought like maybe that experience would just like be left behind and we'd be able to just continue. And I remember you were sitting in a hot tub, just like processing. And I remember feeling like the intensity of saying to you, like, I want to keep the relationship open. Like, I don't want to go back to it just being the two of us. 
and I'm, I have really strong feelings for this person. I'd like to explore that. And just watching you crumble in front of me and just be so heartbroken and pissed and like gutted. I, I just, you seemed like a shell of a person after I delivered that information to you. Yeah. You're really fucking mad at me. Yeah. I was, I was angry. Um, I was resentful and I was, I was really sad, mm. really, really sad. And, um, yeah, there was, there was absolutely a part of me that, um, while I, I was, I was just like confused at that time in my life. I was just confused. Like I didn't know what was happening. Like it was, um, and so my hope was that like, oh, that was just the fun trip. And like now, like things are gonna come together. Like we've like had our exploration and like, we're going to figure, we're going to figure shit out. And then like day after Burning Man, it just like, um, still emotionally drained, like still completely drained. And so no capacity whatsoever to handle anything depleted, depleted in, in all ways. And, um, yeah, I, it was, it, it shattered, shattered me mm -hmm. when I solved myself. And, um, I remember, um, I just, I, I, I left, um, like I, I went for a walk for hours and I just cried by that lake that was there. And, um, yeah, just like angry and like screaming into the ground and, um, uh, yeah, it, at that, at that point it was, it was like this, um, I was very committed to the story that like you were doing this to me. Mm -hmm. And the only way for me to like barely get by, that's like generous mm -hmm. was to blame you mm -hmm. and to make you the villain mm -hmm. and therefore me the victim yep. in, in this. Yep. And that's the story that I, I, I held on to um, for, and I'll, I'll fast forward to when that shifted for me. But um, yeah, I was really, um, th it was, it was by far the lowest time in my life oh, for sure, but easily. by tenfold. Yeah. I just, I remember I lost so much weight. I've never had that experience. I used to think it was so bizarre when people would say they would lose weight when they were sad because I, I couldn't understand what it would be like to feel the depth of an emotion that much. Yeah. And I remember crying to a knot saying like, I'm so full on emotion. I had so much emotion running through me at a level I had never experienced before. And in a way, it was incredibly alivening because I'd never felt that deeply in any capacity, yeah. high, high or low, low. And I remember just being like, I don't even know how to nourish myself because my body is so stimulated. And what's interesting though is that for as deeply as you were feeling and as deeply as I was feeling, it was siloed. It was we siloed, weren't yeah. doing it together. Yeah. We weren't processing together. We weren't talking through our experiences. When we were together, we were closed. But then we were apart. We were like deeply fucking in it. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting to see how even through that process, we still weren't opening our hearts to one another. Yeah. And I think a part of that is... Uh, you talked about stories, right? And the story of like me being the bad guy in this scenario. And of course I had a similar story here. Um, 
not so much that you were the bad guy, but that this was the only way that I could see myself through this was to create a situation in which you were no longer able to be my par- my person. Like I had to see that this was the only way out because stories keep us safe and yeah. we needed to create that safety to get through that time. So for you, that story served you during that time. And for me, that story served me. So I don't regret that those no. were our stories. If anything, it provided me with enough courage to keep moving forward. Keep moving, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. it worked. It worked, mm. it worked. Until he didn't. Yeah, and and so this, I, I mean, <laughs> I think the comical part of this is is this happened. We were in, like, literally in this siloed, completely closed off, but we were still in the RV together <laughs> for, like, a month after that. There's so much bad juju in that There's RV. so much, yeah, sorry for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, or just fucking yeah bursting. we we went up to montana after that i think you remember bozeman i yeah. i went out elk hunting for a week mm-hmm. and you you stayed in bozeman and um i remember just completely detached that whole week just not e- being able to enjoy that experience completely detached from one of my good friends who invited me and um, i imagine there was a lot of shame yeah yeah i couldn't talk about it there's no way i would when we would break off and we'd uh, usually we're in pairs, but eventually, sometimes I would just kind of like split off when we were just sitting around and just go like, go cry in the woods and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then and then we came back and we were back in the same container and just not talking and then, um, I, I think right around that time you decided that we needed to live separate, right? Yeah. So it's interesting is. The, the deeper we went into that process individually, I think you were just like so, so sad. And I was, I wouldn't say bypassing it because I was still very much feeling it, but I was so excited about this new chapter of exploration and growth and individualism that the more distance I got from you, the better I was starting to feel. So my healing journey almost went in reverse um, because you did a lot of that deep, heavy lifting in the beginning. Yeah. And for me, when like, for example, when you went hunting, I remember thinking like, I can't wait for you to be out of here. Like I just wanted an alone time. time. And I took myself out on a date for the first time, like a solo date where I went to this delicious, like three course meal with wine and pizza and cake. And like, just had this like really beautiful, intimate experience with myself and also experienced potentially one of the most traumatic things in my entire life where I got attacked by our two dogs. So talk about energetically what was happening. It was this massive expansion and massive contraction. And it was like that every single day, like expand and contract, expand and contract. But I was excited about it. And it was becoming more and more clear that the more distance I had from you, the better not the better I felt, but like the more excited I felt about exploring what that aloneness was because I had never had it before. I went from my parents to a college roommate to you. I had never once been alone and neither had you. No, never. And I got this tiny taste of freedom and I was like, I want more of it. I want to know what it is like to be away from this person and I want more of those solo dinner dates. I want more of this time where I'm just dancing in the RV, listening to music and then taking mushrooms and processing. And like, I just felt so alive. And so it was really sad and and challenging because I was in this like technically like expansive place and you were in a very dark space. Yeah. Um, And, and like witnessing you 
made me even more angry. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like how it's could slap she? in the yeah. face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, I was also excited about this connection with another yeah. man and which is also fucking heartbreaking. Um, and you were of course really challenged by that as anyone would be. Um, so I was experiencing all of the highs, like new relationship energy, what it was like to explore on my own. And then I think it was just after, so we go to Burning Man, we go on this road trip and then I turned 30. Mm -hmm. So like all of these big chapters. And I remember we both decided to do a little bit of psilocybin. Um, and we were in one of these parks, I forget which one in nature, you'd built a bonfire and a lot of that time was, I remember that journey for me was eyes closed and just hearing my intuition, like hearing the voice, hearing the next evolution of what wanted to uh, be expressed. And I remember it was so clear. It was just, it's time to go. It's time to know who you are without him. It's time to, to create space. And I remember coming out of it and you asking me like, what came up for you? And that's when I said like, I need, I need to go. And that didn't mean yet divorce didn't mean you know this is over it meant I just need to be away from you I need to know who I am without you and so that's when I asked to take the RV to Austin um and that was the beginning of our our separation yeah and that drive from California to Austin was fucking intense yeah because I knew like so again, we kept becoming more and more closed hearted to keep ourselves, I think, safe from really facing like what was there. One of the things that we did that was really powerful in our separation, because so many people want to know, like, what were the things that you did to stay devoted to love through this transition? And I think a lot of us, a lot of you see where we're at now, but don't know, like we had to go through a lot, a lot, yeah. a, lot a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of um, like alone time to get to this place. And so it wasn't fucking sunshine and rainbows by any means. But one of the things actually one of our mentors suggested that we do that was, I think, a pretty big part of the healing was this phrase called holding the bucket. And it was, I remember the first time, oh God, it, it actually makes me really sad. The first time I felt like I actually saw who you were. It was the first time I let you see who I was. It was, it was scary, Chris. I remember being afraid thinking, how did I not know this was inside of you for 10 years to live next to somebody and to not know this level of pain and sadness and suffering was inside of you? Um, Because the whole point of holding the bucket is I sit there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Ugly, ugly crying and snotting, (sighs) like letting you see like all everything that I'd I'd never let out before. When you hold the bucket for someone, essentially what you do is you sit across for them in a position of receiving. So hands up, body language open. And the point is they are clearing all of it, any resentment, any withholds, anything that they need to get off of their chest. And your only job is to sit there to receive and to listen. And of course, like you can express through your body and emotionally, like what it feels like to be witness to this. 
but I'm not responding. I'm not asking questions. I'm not trying to defend. I'm just holding the bucket so he can emotionally purge. And this purge was, I mean, it was probably like two and a half hours. That's what I was thinking, yeah. It was so long because it was 10 years of shit. Yeah, a lifetime. And I remember you saying things to me in that being like, what? Yeah. So I don't know if you want to share or elaborate on maybe some of the things that came up. Um, you know, as I'm like sitting here, like I, I just tapped into the emotion. You just witnessed me. Yeah. Um, but like when I recall, I don't even recall much of the content of what I shared because I think I was in like a a journey, like I was completely gone and I was fine. I was in my body for the first time ever. And, um, but I knew there was like, I I shared like a lot of the like darkness that I experienced, a lot of the anger, um, like a lot of the pain that I was holding on to. The dream that you used to have. Yeah. You dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And meanwhile, I had no idea. Do you, what do you imagine that represented to you? Um, it's, I, I, be, I believe in, in dream um, theory that when someone dies in your dream, they're, I think they're, um, I think they're leaving your life or something like that. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just making that up. You need some dream experts to, um, like you're like letting go of them or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, it's like time to let go or I don't know. Um, and that was a dream that I had repeatedly over and over again. And, um, I, I thought like at the time I thought I was just like a psychopath and then I was dreaming of people dying and, um, yeah, I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't definitely didn't know how to share it with you. And, um, yeah. And I remember at that time in my life when these dreams were happening, like I, I l- would wake up sad every morning because I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose you. It was like every night I'd go to bed and you'd die. And I just had no fucking idea. Yeah. And the other part that surprised me was how much darkness you were experiencing. Yeah. Especially because we were just tapping into a lot of psychedelics and there were experiences that you had, I don't want to say lied about, but like completely withheld what you actually experienced because you were afraid to show me the darkness that you were holding. And so it was just this like, it was the simultaneous process of feeling such sadness and empathy for you because I could see how much pain you had been holding while equally being just shocked of like, how did I not know? Yeah. It was, it was powerful. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward the next night, cause there was no way we were doing two <laughs> sessions in one night. Um, this is on top of holding space for yeah, other people. <laughs> we're working y'all. This is at the retreat. Now, of course we are in full integrity. Nobody knew this was happening. Yeah. This is like behind the scenes, but like we're working like 14 hour days helping facilitate. And then we're in the like <laughs> midst of our separation and, um, so that was night one and then night two, you held the bucket for me. And similarly, I don't remember as much of that other than just expressing pain and sadness and you holding me in that. And, um, we ended up, so we leave the retreat and the intention was you were going to drive me to Austin yeah. and, um, help because at this time, you know, I'm still 
fairly codependent. Um, I think I could have gotten it there, but I think it was really kind that you offered to help take me to Austin in the RV. And then I forget you were flying back or how it was going to work, but, um, flew straight to Columbia. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Um, and I remember like more bombs being dropped on the road and like feeling just every day, like more and more disconnected from you with this like potential hope that like maybe something will be rekindled here. Maybe. Cause I remember you saying to me, if this is going to be our last week together, let's spend it like it's our last week together. Yeah. And I heard that thinking like, okay, maybe there's something here. Like we'll reconnect and we'll fall in love. And, and it didn't happen. Yeah. And I, you avoided me if anything. And yeah. I avoided you. And I remember you like running off to go to parties and to play and to like coming back to the RV and me being like, okay, I'm off to dinner and feeling like, well, oh, fuck, I thought we were going to try to rekindle something here. Yeah. Um, and then just, yeah, like it didn't happen. And so I remember just feeling really sad and thinking like, okay, that, that I guess we're not rekindling anything here. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back, just escaping the feeling like being in, um, like months, months of like the deepest sadness and like the heaviest of heavy all the time. And then like, uh, in, in a different way, like feeling that sense of a little bit of freedom and lightness, it was like, Oh, I can see how people get addicted to things because Mm -hmm. like, it's just like that quick hit of like, Oh, I can for one moment be distracted from all this shit that I've been dealing with. And, um, yeah, yeah, it didn't happen, and uh, I, I still didn't know how to, I still didn't know how to communicate with you, and yeah, then I left, flew out. Do you want to reveal some of what came up in the RV on our way to Austin? What do you have in mind? Go ahead. There was a, there was another truth that you revealed to me in that experience that it was like the last withhold that you had that you wanted to share with me. And oh, about my bachelor party? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, going going back to something you said earlier is like about following the shoulds and like doing what, what is next. And um, right before I, I proposed to you, I don't know if you remember this, but I went and spent like, like over a week in the woods. Mm-hmm. And... Um, in that time it was like one of the first times I was actually checking in with myself and there was so much fear around getting married Mm. there was so much fear and so much doubt and what were you afraid of (sighs) you know um committing to one person and losing your freedom losing my freedom absolutely Yeah. yeah Losing my freedom, um, not knowing if I was ready, uh, not knowing what I wanted you know, out of out of life. Fair and question. Yeah, v- yeah, just light questions, reflecting in the woods. And, and also, spoiler alert: freedom is an inside job. Yeah, I learned what. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I and and at that period of my life, I just like everything, at, like how I operated in everything else. Um, I just acknowledged fear and doubt as weakness and I just used my mind to say, no, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And, um, it feels so 
like now feels so like disconnected, so cold. Um, but that's how I operated. I just, uh, I learned how to use my mind to convince myself and to just overcome any emotions that were there, uh, suppress. <laughs> and, Welcome uh, to most humans. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, uh, propose, uh, a week after that woods trip and, um, immediately the doubts, the, the doubts didn't go away. No. They were there constantly to for point where like two days after he proposed we were having dinner to celebrate our engagement and he (laughs) at dinner starts asking me if I'd be open to sleeping with other women like bringing other women into the relationship and at this point we are nowhere along the development journey yeah that was so confronting to me yeah and I just remember thinking like you motherfucker (laughs) you just put a ring on my finger and the fucking first thing you want to ask me about is having sex with other women now jokes on you i would be the one that wanted to do that 10 years later uh Uh, the power of words yeah yeah and so um those fears stayed with me for a year we were engaged a year before we got married and uh, almost exactly and in my bachelor party um here in austin was it in austin wouldn't that be funny? It is. It was in Austin. Well, hello. Hello. Here we are. Oh, my God. Um, so Austin's been such a vortex for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my one of my last withholds with you was that um, on my bachelor party, um, I had the most. We were I think we had done speeches at dinner that night and we were talking about it. And um, there was a moment where. Like, I just disconnected myself from the group. Um, I, like, left, and I went to a different bar or something, and I was just by myself at a bar, like, drinking. And this was on my bachelor party. There was, like, a dozen of my friends there. And um, I just had this, like, overwhelming sense of fear go through, like, wash over my body. It was probably one of the most fearful moments. Um and I didn't, like, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was sitting there, like, again, trying to use my mind to, like, talk myself through this. And um, because for me at the time, this is this was the, like, confronting part for me is I, I knew how deeply I loved you. Mm. I, I knew how much I loved being with you. Mm-hmm. Like, we were amazing together. Mm-hmm. Um, we still are. <laughs> still are, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, being like really confronted with that, and and really, it was a um, that at that time that contemplation was what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. and that was a that was a theme for a, a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Is like what's wrong with me? Because mm-hmm. my impression was like everyone else like figures this out, mm-hmm. and like everyone else like you're broken. Yeah. Yeah, I had just, just like, this deep sense of, like, you're broken and, like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is wrong that you're questioning this, this amazing woman, you're marrying her. And um, in that in that stage of, of broken, um, I ended up um, cheating. Mm-hmm. And I, I slept with a woman completely random, met her at that bar that I was drinking at alone. None of my friends knew. Um, and it was something that I kept... Uh, I kept inside until that drive, mm-hmm. 
didn't share with anyone at all. And I held so much shame around it. Um, I had never cheated on a partner before in my life. And um, that was not like modeled to me. Uh, and yeah, looking, looking back, like it was, it was probably the, f- not, not the first time, the first time was when I held the bucket, you held the bucket for me, but, th- but like in that period, like where I almost knew unconsciously it was over, it like gave me permission to like fully be honest with you. Like fuck it. Yeah. And fully be honest with myself. Yep. Cause like I, I would. I pushed that and I pushed other things in my life like so far down that like I didn't even touch them anymore to the point to where I, I genuinely forgot about a lot of the things that I was shameful of. You also had nothing to lose at this point. Like nothing. Everything that you had known and um, found comfort in was gone. Yeah. So there was nothing keeping you from sharing these things anymore. Yeah. Um, and I have so much compassion. It's interesting. We both spoke to a part of us that was afraid and it's funny because I couldn't relate at all to the fear of like commitment in this way. Um, it's like hard for me to even understand from that lens. But then I think about the level of fear that I felt in travel and in like new experiences and how that just would consume my body. And I'm like, oh, I have such compassion for you in that moment thinking you felt that going into our marriage. And I felt that in our marriage. And it's just so interesting to think how afraid we were and now with the tools that we have to be with these things, it's like, oh God, it gets to be so different. Yeah. So different. Yeah. Um, and I think that what you shared about cheating during your bachelor party, it's a common story. Yeah. It's a story I actually hear quite a lot since working in sex, love, and relationships of that level of um, the masculine being afraid to lose their freedom and then going out in societal programming saying like this is the thing you need to do to solidify like your manhood going into this next chapter um and it just it, it breaks my heart thinking like to consummate a marriage we perpetuate this place in which you go out you consume a beverage that numbs you yeah. you party like you're never going to be free again <laughs> to go into like arguably one of the most beautiful and like incredible things that you're committing to in your life yeah it's just like what the fuck i know it literally is like a celebration of losing your freedom right like oh this is gonna be it you're gonna be you know everything's gonna be downhill from here on um and it makes me think about how just again unconscious and unintentional all of this was for us um and how going to this next chapter of my life when i find a sacred union again to me the marriage doesn't even matter anymore and it's wild to think about that because when i met you talk about afraid (laughs) i wasn't afraid of the commitment i was afraid of not having the commitment i kept pushing Pushing, you i remember my grandmother gave me grandmother pushing her mother pushing me (laughs) them pushing me and then me pushing you i remember giving you the ring it was my great grandmother's ring and saying whenever you're ready And like the part of me that feels so sad for her because I attached so deeply to my worth, I attached my worth to being married and to like, if I, if you don't want to marry me, I'm not worthy. I'm not special. And so that's the part that I like feel so sad about. And I'm pushing you, you're terrified. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't imagine doing that now to somebody that I love. 
Yeah. So many layers. So many layers. Ooh. <laughs> we've we've learned a lot. <laughs> we learned a little bit. <laughs> so we were in the separation. You know, you go and do ayahuasca. Yeah. And which, I which ironically that trip was planned before all this happened. Of course, of course it was. <laughs> For the week after you moved to Austin. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah, I go down to Columbia and, and do ayahuasca for the first time. And um, that entire journey was um, about um, letting go. Uh, letting go of, of my th- that past life. And because the last, the last most important part of it just disappeared in an RV behind me. And um, rebirthing. Like letting, um, letting the boy die, the the boy who was in that marriage, the boy who w- didn't know how to deal with life, deal with himself, deal with his relationships, and it was about letting that boy die, and about letting the new emerge, and not know knowing what that was, um, and that's exactly what I got, and it it was it was at that time that. I, when I left that trip, um, is when it started to shift for me because up until that point, well, like I, started to uh, the, the story of victim. So ah. I was always angry. It was blaming you and it was, it was all this. And in that, in that, um, experience that, that journey, it was the re- the first realization that it's time for you to find yourself too. Mm not even two. It was like, it's time to find yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like you have been attaching to all of these things that are not you. Mm-hmm. You're calling them you, but it's time to actually find you. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was in that, it was in that, that I really felt like visceral, viscerally that it was possible. I was still wasn't at it is, but it was possible that this was a gift for me mm-hmm. and that there was something on the other side of this that I, I wouldn't be able to see yet because I haven't been there yet. Mm-hmm. And, and yet mm-hmm. there was like a knowing that um, everything was going to be okay. Mm. 